Welcome to the Been There, Got Out podcast. I'm Lisa, a state-certified domestic violence advocate and veteran of more than eight years in the trenches of the legal system, the last five successfully representing myself. And I'm Chris. I'm a certified high-conflict divorce coach. And between the two of us, we have all this knowledge and experience that we never wanted. But now we can put it to great use, providing expert guidance to people in high-conflict divorce and custody situations so you have the best chance in court and beyond. Having the right support from people who get it is so critical to getting you and your children through it as unscathed as possible. And that's exactly what we do through our interviews with experts and other content right here on this podcast. So let's get to it. It's Lisa from Been There, Got Out. We are now really live with Trevor Crow. Um, just waiting for everyone to come on and hopefully she'll do it. This is her first real Instagram live interview. So um, I'm excited to be the one to, to host her. So Trevor and I just met a couple of weeks ago and here she is. Let me get her on right away. Great. Thank you for coming. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. Okay. So let's get right to it. I was just saying how we just met a few weeks ago and um, you said that you're running for state senator and you're actually running for Alex Kasser's seat. But I figured, give me a little more about your background or tell our, our people about it. Because when I first heard it, I was like, oh, no, none of, none of our people would be in your office. <laughs> so what's, what's your background? Well, so I have been a practicing marriage and family therapist in private practice for 15 years. So I have had the honor to help many couples, families, and individuals some pretty rough moments. And of course, I'm very well aware of course of control and domestic violence and what um, emotional, verbal abuse looks like, um, along with physical abuse. So um, I loved watching Alex after her job. Uh, she did so many good things, and I know there's a lot more to be done. And I have is involved with politics and others. Oh, wait, 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 sorry, Trevor. I don't know if it's the connection. You're a little bit choppy. Oh, uh, hold on. Let me just make sure okay. that, uh, let's see. I'm just, my Wi-Fi looks okay. Uh, okay, let's keep going. Okay, so um, actually ran for tax collector last year in the Greenwich. Um, uh -huh. It wasn't my top desire, but it was sort of in preparation. And I feel like the universe came around and said, you know what? This particular this district 36 state Senate seat, my party came to me and said, we really need somebody to run. And you guys remember Alex resigned very suddenly last year. We lost in a in a special election. There were very so twenty thousand people who voted. It was just really unfortunate. And now the seat has gone to a far right Republican who uh, really has already against women's reproductive rights. Um, it, it's it's going to be scary, and I'm, and it's just really sad. It's like it's like Amy Comey Barry Barrett after Ruth Bader Ginsburg, you know. Yeah, I know. Okay, so Trevor, I don't know if it's just me, and maybe um, Chris, you can let me know. But I feel like uh, Trevor's volume is like crackling. Is it just me? Like, can you guys hear properly, or is it is yeah. it just mine? I just increased my volume. Is that helpful? Uh, let's see. Let's see. Yeah, I just felt like it was a little choppy. Like every fifth word, it was kind of cutting off. Yeah. Is that better? 
uh, keep talking. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you had said, you know, after Ruth Bader Ginsburg to have Amy Comey Barrett, that's like, ugh. Yeah. And way I feel like there's a parallel after Alex Kasser, we've now got this guy named Ryan Fazio um, and who's, he's, he's not going to be supporting these kinds of laws or reforms. And uh, yeah. So I, I, I've been really excited about running. I've talked to so many people. Uh, this is an area of concern you and I started talking about, which is family court reform. Um, I haven't, I haven't spoken about it very much, and it's not on my platform. And it's something that I need to learn about. Um, and I want to see much better laws. And it kills me to watch what happens in the courts, the alienation and the coercion and spouses getting dragged back into court again and again, just financial abuse that way, court abuse, et cetera. So there's there's a lot of work we have to do. And when I'm elected, I will get to work for you guys. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. OK, so tell us why it's so important to have someone like you in office versus somebody else other than like people not even paying attention to these issues, because I feel like this issue doesn't affect many people. And the ones that hear about it completely don't get it. Those right over their heads. Well, and and I'm not going to say it's just women, but of course it feels like there's many more women getting abused in this way, because let's be honest, men tend to be better off financially in our society. And, but I I want to say very carefully and clearly, I have clients who are men who are equally abused, both financially, verbally, emotionally. So this is not just a gendered thing, but we have to we have to figure out a better way because this is ridiculous and everybody is hurt in this system. The children are not doing better. Again, I I have a lot of single moms who are just in terrible pain um, and it goes on for years, years. I know. I know. I mean, for me, it's, I'm in my eighth year and I have a trial tomorrow. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Let's talk a little bit about Roe versus Wade. I know when we talked recently, you were saying this, this affects everyone. Like how? Mm-hmm. Well, it's, um, it's been a long, slow chipping away at our reproductive freedom. Um, and over time, many states now where you can't get, well, Texas, for example, you can't get an abortion after sleep. A lot of women don't even know they're pregnant. Um, and then what they did in Texas, which is really pernicious, they allowed sort of vigilantes to go after women or providers or anybody who might have even driven somebody to get an abortion. And it is a really scary law, and it's not easily it's not easy to get around this law. It's actually set up in this thought process that that isn't through the court system in the way that we're used to. So it's like a brand new kind of walk around of what we're used to. At the same time, the Christian ultra right has been going after after abortion rights since the late seventies, and bit by bit they have been stacking the courts, and here we are today. Uh, we had a decision date today. They just struck down uh, New York versus a firearms rule, which will impact us in Connecticut, even though we have great gun rights here, but allowed guns to be uh, used in public without much regulation at all. They sat, you know, interpreted the Second Amendment even stronger. So this is bad for us, even though we have very strong gun laws. Next week, there's going to be another decision day. I expect Roe v. Wade to fall. When that happens, it's literally chaos. 
36 million women lose their rights, their reproductive rights, not be able to access abortion. There's like a trigger law. I'm not sure how many states, but 36 million women, unbelievable. And one out of four women in the United States chooses to have an abortion per year. I mean, sorry, one out of four women in their lifetime. Yeah. Wow. So this is a medical right. No, Mitch McConnell should not be in your OBGYN appointment, nor should Kavanaugh or even Amy Comey Barrett. None of those people should be in there talking to you and your doctor about your choices and what you need. So that's one level. This is all based on the 14th Amendment. Once that goes, contraceptives, which is a right to privacy, it's Griswold versus Connecticut, same-sex marriages, uh, interracial marriages. This is what the ultra-conservative white Christian want to change. And they've been going after the Supreme Court for decades. They've been in for the long run, and they're they're close to getting what they want. So yeah, that makes that it's terrifying. It's it's almost unreal, and it's making me think of like Handmaid's Tale. Uh, absolutely, right? Amy um, Atwood. What's her name? Um, Anne. Wait, I'm forgetting her first name, but she's literally Margaret. Margaret. Mar- Margaret Atwood. Yeah, the author. Yeah, I love her. She's amazing. Yeah. Who, you know, when she wrote that, and I remember reading it, I don't know, 25, 30 years ago, I was like, that's ridiculous. Yeah, right? Not so much. I know. I know. It's it's really terrifying, like these science, science fiction-ish books that are now becoming reality. Mm-hmm. But the, yeah. that concerns me most, especially because we're in Connecticut and we have, we are a blue state. We also take our rights for granted. And even this past legislative session, we had um, our reproductive Freedom Rights Act that was passed. Ryan Fazio voted against it. The right, the this act, Defense Act, is basically to say those vigilantes from Texas cannot come in to Connecticut and arrest somebody trying to get an abortion or providing an abortion. Remember that it, all it takes is one governor. We could end up with Stefanowski and a few more Ryan Fazios, and we are not that state anymore. We cannot take it for granted and we have to we have to get out the vote. We have to vote blue. And here's the other kind of twist to the Roe v. Wade. So Connecticut codified Roe v. Wade about 30 years ago. That can be struck down again if you have a Stefanowski as a Republican and a few more Ryan Fazios. What we actually need to do, we need to make a constitution constitutional amendment. And that takes a supermajority of Democrats. And if I got elected. And we could maintain what we have. I would be the supermajority. So it's important. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know we talked about um, the term chip, chipping away, and um, I think you touched on like being complacent, like being complacent about our laws, sort of taking things for granted, right? Yes, I'm very concerned about that. Yeah. So, um, for example, like if. Well, actually, I started thinking of another thing that we were going to talk about. Like a lot of things are being chipped away and we don't even realize it because we take it for granted as society. We think that someone else is going to take care of it. Or like you said, if we're already we already have these rights, like it's forever. But it's not because you mentioned like even though we've had this for 30 years, it can be chipped away little by little. And you talked about how the Roe v. Wade will start chipping away at contraception as well. Right. Uh, This is about controlling women. It's nothing else. And the minute that we do not have 
uh, autonomy over our body. We become second-class citizens. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Trevor, you're crackling a little bit again. You weren't where whatever you were doing before was fine, and now and maybe it's coming back to that beautiful starburst behind your head. Here we go. Let me try something else. Okay, let's see if is that helpful. Let's see. Let's see. It sounds a little helpful. Okay. Okay. Let's another thing that I thought was really interesting that you said during our last conversation was that period trackers can be dangerous. And I know that we've been focusing a lot on surveillance and spying and security lately with some of the experts we interview. Tell, talk about how period trackers could be dangerous. Oh, yeah. This is really creepy. Okay. Talk, okay. So this goes back to Handmaid's Tale. So uh, many of us use these packs. Uh, trackers. I did. I don't need it anymore, but a lot of people do just because it feels like, okay, good. So I understand where, where I'm at and when I'm fertile, et cetera. However, that information is being sold and it could be sold to one of those vigilantes. It could be sold to other people who really do not have your best interests at heart. And, and again, if there's a whole group of people wanting to make sure that you don't get an abortion, and they're tracking you, you're not going to be able to leave the state that you may need to leave. Say, just just imagine your your daughter goes to, I don't know, school down in Texas, and she needs to come home for an abortion, and somebody's tracking her. It may not be so easy for her to get home to get an abortion, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know one of our attorney friends in California um, had gotten a question during one of his lives from a, a client saying, well, you know, if I'm pregnant, how does that affect custody? And he said, it doesn't. While you're pregnant, you could still leave the state. But now you're saying with these period trackers, somebody could, I mean, that that also might change the loss, right? Yes. Yep. And what's more, are a couple of the trackers are owned by these super white Christian guys. Oh boy. <laughs> so these are things like I would never think about that with a period tracker. Yeah. No, it is really scary and creepy and odd. And uh, we, I have literally told every, like my daughter and her girl group there, she's 25. I'm like, please get off those things. Erase your data. Just stay far away. And yeah. Oh my God. It's crazy. I just, my biggest concern is, is Connecticut voters vote. If you're, if you've got any friends or Democrats, just everybody really hold hands and vote because we have a very bad track record as Dems in a midterm. The Republicans pretty much show up en masse all the time. Democrats in, in a presidential show up great. We all 90, 99%, very high, but in midterms, we're barely 60%. Wow. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm I'm feeling like I better <laughs> get more on the ball with this stuff. Yeah. So thanks for the reminder. All right. So speaking of that, we also talked about a like I loved how you said ask people what if they had a wish list of what you could take back to the capital, how we ourselves could help make family court make the family court system better. So I had put a thing out this morning like if you could create a law, I didn't just say family. Uh family court stuff. But of course, you know, people focus on that. Like what, what would be a good idea to make the court system better, you know, to reform it. And so one of the things, so I'm going to give you a couple of the things that maybe we talked about and also some new ones. So one of the people said that she feels like every time there's um, 
some kind of police report or domestic violence incident filed that professionals outside, not just judges and custody barriers, but people who are trained in domestic violence should get involved. And that even though there could be a chance that it could be manipulated by an abuser, at least there's people who should be able to get it and recognize it rather than having someone come into court and often deal with a judge who's never been educated on coercive control and might not recognize all the other things, especially emotional and psychological abuse that are at play, especially when we have children's safety at risk. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing. Huge, huge. And um, we're constantly being trained uh, as a licensed marriage and family therapist. Um, I, I don't believe I'm a mandated reporter at this time, but when I do have something going on where I feel that I need to ask the question, are there any firearms in your home? I do. And I asked that question about three weeks ago. Yeah. So I, I absolutely feel that this could be added to our mandated reporter status that we ask the question and that could address to a degree what, what your, your person is saying. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause usually the, the question, the, the answer that we get a lot of times is judges should be trained on coercive control. Lawyers should be trained on coercive control. But I was just talking to a couple of lawyers recently and they're like, we don't have acts like we don't know anything about this kind of training. I actually talked to a lawyer recently in California who was saying that he has like some awful clients. He's like, I'd love to learn how to know if someone's going to be like a terrible client, like if I'm going to get an abuser, because in the beginning, they're so manipulative and charming. He goes, and then we end up with these monsters. Like, how do we know? You know, so they're not. So I was thinking, oh, we got to come up with a class. Yeah, no, and I do think that that would be something that would be worthwhile sort of add to the course of the Jennifer's Law, which is getting the court system, whether it's attorneys, whoever's involved, touching the client, having a program of of just education. This is what it looks like. This is, and there's really classic behaviors. We both know them, right? Love bombing, you know, devaluing, discarding. Exactly. We all know, and we can, once you are aware of it, can start noticing it or Darvo, right? Deny, attack, and reverse victim offender. So yes. Once you're aware of it, you're like, oh my God, that's what I'm looking at. Right. But it's not until you're given that education. So I would absolutely be a, in support of finding a way to have funds to support those in the, in the, in the entire system of judges, attorneys, therapists, GALs, everybody is involved. Yeah. So here's another one. Perjury should actually be punishable. I know on every single one of those financial affidavits, because like I said, I have trial tomorrow and we always have to fill them out every single month. Um, It says like, if you are knowingly putting false things on the record, it could be a criminal, you know, a criminal event and nothing ever happens. Yeah. I feel like by putting this here and having zero consequences, it's actually emboldening people, just like lack of enforcement of orders, because they know nothing's going to happen to me. Family courts are overburdened and overwhelmed, so no one's going to do anything. So I could just lie about whatever and nothing's going to happen. What yeah. do you think of that? Again, same thing. And I mean, we need more funding for the whole family court system so that, that this stuff doesn't slip through the ca- cracks. There are consequences for lying or perjuring. Uh, there are consequences for not paying your child support or not showing up for your child on time. Whatever it is that there's... The courts are not so burdened as they are right now. I mean, it's it's horrifying. We 
it's awful what happens to families here in Connecticut. And and again, yeah, I, I, I know it's, it's inexcusable, like, you know, especially because we have more resources than other states. So it is inexcusable. Yeah. All right. So, and we'll keep coming up with more ideas. Those are the main ones, though. But let's talk about now what can people do on a daily basis to affect real change? I know vote, certainly. Oh. But is there other things? Because people in other states often say, well, you're lucky because Co- Connecticut has coercive control laws. But what about me? What about the 45 other states? Mm-hmm. So they're saying, what can we do to make it happen in our state? What do you recommend? All of all of you, just the um, advocacy organizing group, educating one another, um, even creating like Moms Demand Action. You know, they started small and now they're a national organization. So I think the more of us who have experienced this sort of behaviors from spouses get more vocal and talk about it. Now, I do, I'm very concerned about the Amber Heard situation where, you know, uh, a, an abuser can go after the abusee with defamation, which is truly despicable. And a, a part of me is just my heart hurts for that situation. And again, the, those who are abused now are going to be signed. So there's some, I, I, I believe in the collective power of us coming together, speaking the truth, advocating for other states to make it more widely available. I mean, it's so early in Connecticut. I'm not even sure the law has been applied. I don't even know if it's gone to trial yet anywhere. Um, it's literally brand new. So I, are you aware of it? With, uh, sorry, Trevor, you're crackling out a little bit again. Oh, and I think you just froze for a second. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Can okay. you hear me now? It just froze for a second. Yes, okay. okay. So the law you were saying about Jennifer's law, or was there something else, a different law? Jennifer's law, have, have, has it been applied in court? And what's been the outcome? I, I'm unaware of, of anything that happened yet regarding it. Yeah, I mean... Definitely, people have been saying that they're using Jennifer's Law and there is progress, but it is still so early because it just went to effect, into effect in October of last year. And Connecticut judges, I believe, have 120 days to make a decision. So <laughs> we know these things take time. Yeah. So we'll, I think it's probably too soon to tell how effective it is. So this is, you know, we're literally in process now. And, and as we, as stuff comes through, I really want to hear it. You, you keep me up to date too, because I have a lot to learn. <laughs> and, um, you know, and again, if, if there's something that I can do when I'm elected to support that law, to grow it, to expand and make sure that people are educated, happy, happy to introduce whatever has to be done to support it. All right. Well, that's excellent. It's always nice to have allies in high places. Yeah, both for me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, so Trevor, what, what, how can people find out more about you? Yes. What, what, how can they reach you? Uh, I, I don't want our clients to go to you for marital therapy, though. Um, <laughs> no offense. <laughs> it's all right. Um, so Trevor for Senate, and it's F O R Trevor for Senate. Um, dot com. You can find me there. Uh, I am in need of more donors from my area, which is all of Stanford, all of Greenwich, and all of New Canaan. I need six okay. more, and they, they don't have to be large dollars. Give me five, ten dollars. It's just headcount that's really kind of keeping me. It's uh, to match for the state matching grant. I need three hundred, and I'm, I just need sixty more. So I'm, I made a lot of progress. We're just not finished yet. So that's my number one need. If you want to volunteer, we're going to need help knocking on doors, um, on calling or phone banking, 
on texting, on writing postcards. We're, we're going to have a big team. So if you want to get involved on my website, there's the volunteer button, just sign up and we'll call you. Um, we are right, needing the help for sure. Great. All right. Well, thank you so much, Trevor, for coming on. I think we're, we, we finished in time. I know you had, you only had half an hour and um, I'll vote and I will donate and definitely pass the word on. And, and thanks again so much. Thank you for the work you do. Okay. You're welcome. All right. Talk soon and we'll stay in touch. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Been There Got Out podcast. Please leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening on. And you can find us easily on all major social media, but especially Instagram and YouTube. If you think we might be able to help you with your own situation, just visit beenthergotout.com and click the button to schedule a complimentary discovery call. Thanks again, and see you next time.